Good morning and welcome to our time of worship. Whether we are gathered together here at the church building or coming together via the internet from our separate homes and spaces, we know that there is one body and one spirit. Just as you were called to one hope when you were called, one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all who is above all and through all and in all. So God calls us to worship together as one body in Christ Jesus. And we hear that call in words from Psalm 145. I will extol you, my God and King, and bless your name forever and ever. Every day I will bless you and praise your name forever and ever. Great is the Lord, and greatly to be praised, and his greatness is unsearchable. One generation shall commend your works to another and shall declare your mighty acts. On the glorious splendor of your majesty and on your wondrous works, I will meditate. They shall speak of the might of your awesome deeds and I will declare your greatness. They shall pour forth the fame of your abundant goodness and shall sing aloud of your righteousness. The Lord is gracious and merciful, slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love. The Lord is good to all, and his mercy is over all that he has made. All your works shall give you thanks, O Lord, and all your saints shall bless you. They shall speak of the glory of your kingdom and tell of your power to make known to the children of man your mighty deeds and the glorious splendor of your kingdom. Your kingdom is an everlasting kingdom and your dominion endures throughout all generations. The Lord is faithful in all his words and kind in all his works. The Lord upholds all who are falling and raises up all who are bowed down. The eyes of all look to you and you give them their food in season. You open your hand, you satisfy the desire of every living thing. The Lord is righteous in all his ways and kind in all his works. The Lord is near to all who call on him, to all who call on him in truth. He fulfills the desire of those who fear him. He also hears their cry and saves them. The Lord preserves all who love him, but all the wicked he will destroy. My mouth will speak the praise of the Lord and let all flesh bless his holy name forever and ever. And as we gather in the holy name of the Lord our God this morning, we do so knowing that he is present with us, he loves us, and he greets us. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with you all. And all God's people said, Amen. The psalmist wrote, Come and hear all you who fear God, and I will tell what he has done for me. If I had cherished iniquity in my heart, the Lord would not have listened. But truly, God has listened. He has given heed to the words of my prayer. Blessed be God, because he has not rejected my prayer or removed his steadfast love from me. In the strength of this assurance, let us confess our sins to the Lord our God. Father in heaven, we come to you this morning thankful that although we are sinners, we have been set free and made clean through the blood of Christ our Savior who gave himself for us and for our salvation. 
We come to you this morning thankful, Lord, that you do not see us any longer as wretched, wicked sinners, but rather you look at us as you look at your Son, our Savior, Jesus Christ. You look at us as if we had never sinned or been sinners, as if through faith in him we had been as perfectly obedient as he was obedient for us. Even so, Father, we come acknowledging our need of your grace to cleanse us once more and to empower us and equip us to go out and live in the world in a way that brings honor and glory and praise to your holy name. We ask that as we worship before you this morning, you would remind us of your grace, that you would fill us with your Holy Spirit, and that you would work in each one here at the church and across the various homes that are joining in. All that is pleasing to you through Jesus Christ, to whom be the glory forever and ever. Amen. Hear the good news. The Apostle John wrote, God so loved the world that he gave his only Son so that everyone who believes in him may not perish but have eternal life. Indeed, God did not send his Son into the world to condemn the world, but in order that the world might be saved through him. So as you trust in Christ alone for your salvation, know that you are forgiven and be at peace. Amen. As we continue our time of worship this morning, let's look to the Lord our God in prayer. Our Father in heaven, you are holy, and your name is holy. And we pray this morning that we might proclaim the holiness of your name in all that we do, in the words that we say and the lives that we live. May your name be sanctified, set apart by your people here at High River CRC and all around the world. May we so live among those who do not believe that they would see your goodness and grace reflected in the things that we do and that they would give all glory to you, our Father in heaven. May our lives during this time when so many are so fearful of what the future may hold demonstrate always that Jesus Christ is Lord, proclaiming to all the world that our Savior is King of kings and Lord of lords, and that there is not one square inch in all of this creation over which he has not already declared, this is mine. By your grace, Lord, May we ourselves live as those who belong to you, body and soul, in life and in death. Rule us by your word and spirit in such a way that more and more we submit to you. Help us and all people to reject our own wills and to offer ourselves, body and soul, all that we are and have to you as living sacrifices, holy and acceptable in your sight. Where our lives in the past have conformed to the pattern of this world, where we have feared those things that they fear, where we have given ourselves to the same pursuits. May we conform no longer. Rather, Lord, transform us by the renewing of our minds that we may prove through obedience that it is your will alone that is good, acceptable, and perfect. Keep your church strong, Father, and add to it. Protect her during this time when so many buildings stand idle and vacant and there are so many questions about how many will come back when this pandemic is over. Though not all of us can gather as your people in Christ Jesus today, may we make every effort to maintain the unity of the Spirit and the bond of peace, remembering 
that there is one body and one spirit, just as we are called to one hope when we were called. Remind us, though we are apart, that there is one Lord, one faith, and one baptism, one God and Father of us all, and that you are above all and through all and in all who call upon your name through faith in Jesus Christ. We pray again this week, Lord, for your people, our brothers and sisters around the world. We pray for those who suffer for the sake of your name. The psalmist tells us that the death of your saints is precious in your sight. Lord, may we who have not yet resisted to the point of shedding blood in our struggle against sin also hold them precious. May we be inspired by their faith and their lives and even their deaths. May we who find mere inconvenience so often unacceptable reflect on the lives of those who have shed their blood and remember that we too are called to deny ourselves, take up our cross, and follow our Savior. Forgive us when we have complained and grumbled about what amounts to nothing at all when compared to the price that was paid for us and for our salvation. In all of our distress, we look to you, Father, and we confidently await the day when you will come to judge the world in righteousness. And we pray with the apostle, even so, come, Lord Jesus. In the meantime, we pray that you would pour out your grace and your spirit upon your people. We pray that, possessing your all-sufficient grace, we would not covet the things and experiences of this world. We pray that, filled with your spirit, we would know beyond all doubt that we are never, ever alone, but that you are with us always to the very end of the age. We pray this for the people of this church and community, for some who live in isolation, some who are under quarantine, not even understanding why. We pray, Father, for those with other health concerns. We pray for Lorinda and Marie and for all those in our congregation, community, and families who may be suffering with poor health. Give them what is needed in body and soul. Grant healing and strength, peace and patience. Do provide for all our physical needs so that we come to know that you are the only source of everything good. And so help us to give up our trusting creatures and to trust in you alone. We pray, Lord, as well for those members of our church who may be struggling with loneliness and isolation, for all in our community as well who have found themselves separated from their loved ones at this time. We pray for Roy and Mary, for Teeny, John, Rita, Irwin and Gail, Rocco and Susanna, Bert, Trudy, Sam and Wilma, and Janine. We pray that you might give us all that we need of your grace and spirit, all that is needed for life and godliness as we cry out to you. We pray that even in the trials of these days, we would rejoice as we see you working in us all that is pleasing to you through Jesus Christ. To him be the glory forever and ever. Whom have we in heaven but you, Lord? May it be equally true that earth has nothing that we desire apart from you, and then truly we will understand that your grace is sufficient for all our need, and your strength is made perfect to us in our times of weakness. Forgive us, Father, for all those times when we look to ourselves and our strength and our own resources, forgetting that neither our work and worry nor even your gifts can do us any good at all without your blessing. Do not lead us into temptation, we pray, but deliver us from our sworn enemies, the devil, the world, and even our own flesh. 
uphold us and make us strong with the strength of your Holy Spirit, that our lives may always reflect your glory as the light of your face shines upon us from day to day. Give us confidence and faith to go out and face the world this week, for even if it might appear otherwise, we know that in Christ all of your promises are yes and amen, and we are in him, and he is in you, and yours, and yours alone is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever and ever. Triune God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, we pray in the name of Jesus. Amen. Our scripture reading this morning is taken from the book of Revelation, chapter 1. I will be reading verses 1 through 8. The revelation of Jesus Christ, which God gave him to show his servants the things that must soon take place. He made it known by sending his angels to his servant John, who bore witness to the word of God and to the testimony of Jesus Christ, even to all that he saw. Blessed is the one who reads aloud the words of this prophecy, and blessed are those who hear and those who keep what is written in it, for the time is near. John, to the seven churches that are in Asia, grace to you and peace from him who is and who was and who is to come, and from the seven spirits who are before his throne, and from Jesus Christ, the faithful witness, the firstborn of the dead and the ruler of kings on earth. To him who loves us and has freed us from our sins by his blood and made us a kingdom, priests to his God and Father, to him be glory and dominion forever and ever. Amen. Behold, he is coming with the clouds, and every eye will see him, even those who pierced him, and all tribes of the earth will wail on account of him. Even so, amen. I am the Alpha and the Omega, says the Lord God, who is and who was and who is to come, the Almighty. This is the word of the Lord our God. As we noted last Lord's Day, the book of the Revelation begins with the words, the revelation of Jesus Christ, hence the title, and it ends with a benediction spoken this way, the grace of the Lord Jesus be with all. Amen. So the book begins with a reference to Jesus Christ, and not surprisingly, since he is the Alpha and the Omega, it ends with a reference to the Lord Jesus. And frankly, as we have seen, everything that falls between is really all about this same Jesus. More specifically, it is about the Lord Jesus Christ. And I'm sure by now most of us are aware that Christ is not simply Jesus' last name. The Greek word, Christos, simply means anointed. And that word Christ is the equivalent of the Hebrew title Messiah. John himself brought this out in chapter 1 of his gospel, verses 40 and 41, where he wrote one of the two who heard John speak and followed Jesus, was Andrew, Simon Peter's brother. He first found his own brother Simon and said to him, We have found the Messiah, which means Christ. This is also taught to us in Lord's Day 12 of the Heidelberg Catechism, question and answer 31, where we are asked, Why is he, Jesus, called Christ? 
meaning anointed. And we are taught to answer because he has been ordained by God the Father and has been anointed with the Holy Spirit. Even so, he is our Lord Jesus Christ. He is anointed. Our Lord Jesus, ordained by God the Father and anointed with the Holy Spirit. And furthermore, he has been anointed with the Holy Spirit to be our chief prophet and teacher, our only high priest and our eternal king who governs us by his word and spirit. Now this is a theological point, a, a theological principle, sometimes called the threefold office of Christ. But it is so much more than a mere theological construct. To begin with, it's, it's just biblical. We've already seen this in the book of Revelation. John blessed his readers, particularly those in the seven churches in Asia, saying, John, to the seven churches who are in Asia, grace to you and peace from him who is and who was and who is to come. In other words, grace to you and peace from God the Father. And from the seven spirits who are before his throne. We'll say a little bit more about that in just a minute. And from Jesus Christ, the faithful witness, the firstborn of the dead, and the ruler of kings on earth. So what an incredible passage we have before us this morning. Not just theological filler, not just God words to try to round out the book or to give it a little better introduction, but a statement of both the biblical doctrine of the triune God, Father, Son, and Spirit, and also of the threefold office of Jesus, the Christ, the Son of the living God. He is the faithful witness. He is our chief prophet and teacher who fully reveals to us the secret counsel and will of God concerning our deliverance. He is the firstborn of the dead, our only high priest, who has delivered us by the one sacrifice of his body and who continually pleads our cause with the Father. This will become even more clear a little later on in the book, but just here, where it speaks of him as being the firstborn, firstborn from the dead. Remember, Christ loved us and gave himself up for us, a fragrant offering and sacrifice to God, and more, he was raised for our justification. These are very priestly descriptions of what it means that Jesus was the firstborn from the dead, but he is also the ruler of the kings on earth. He is our eternal king who governs us by his word and spirit and who guards us and keeps us in the freedom he has won for us. And I love the Heidelberg Catechism. I, I, I think it's one of the most amazing teaching tools that has ever been devised to help people understand their faith. But as much as I love the Heidelberg Catechism, the Lord Jesus Christ is so much more than our eternal king. He is the eternal king. Revelation 19 verses 15 and 16 tell us from his mouth comes a sharp two-edged sword with which to strike down the nations and he will rule them with a rod of iron. He will tread the winepress of the fury of the wrath of God the Almighty on his robe and on his thigh. He has a name written king of kings. And Lord 
of Lourdes. And I feel like at this point we just have to bring in that following line from Handel's Messiah as well. King of kings and Lord of lords forever and ever. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. And I wish I could play it for you. I, I thought about actually doing that. But it's not the power of the music that should move us. It's the power of the words. It's the power of the word, really. Jesus is not only our eternal king. He is truly king of kings and lord of lords, the ruler of the kings on earth. God ordained him so. God anointed him with the Holy Spirit to make it so. As it says in the prophet Isaiah chapter 11, there shall come forth a shoot from Jesse, and a branch from his roots shall bear fruit, and the Spirit of the Lord shall rest upon him, the Spirit of wisdom and understanding, the Spirit of counsel and might, the Spirit of knowledge, and the fear of the Lord. That by the way, is the most likely biblical reference point for the characterization that John used, saying the seven spirits who are before his throne. And even in Isaiah, having noted that the Spirit of the Lord shall rest upon him, that is, anoint him, the prophet goes on to say, he shall strike the earth with the rod of his mouth. And with the breath of his lips he shall kill the wicked. Righteousness shall be the belt of his waist, and faithfulness the belt of his loins. Or, as we find it in Daniel chapter 7, And to him was given dominion and glory and a kingdom. To the Son of Man, that is, was given dominion and glory and a kingdom that all peoples, nations, and languages should serve him. His dominion is an everlasting dominion which shall not pass away, and his kingdom is one that shall not be destroyed. This is our Savior, Jesus, the Anointed, Jesus, the Christ. And this kingdom of which the prophets speak is that city that has foundations whose designer and builder is God. It's that heavenly country further up and further in. As C.S. Lewis once said, it is the holy city, the new Jerusalem coming down out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride adorned for her husband. It is the home for which our hearts long and to which grace will inevitably lead us. Meanwhile, the Apostle Paul wrote, while we are still in this tent, while we are still in this body, we groan, being burdened. Not that we would be unclothed, but that we would be further clothed, so that what is mortal may be swallowed up by life. He who prepared us for this very thing is God, who has given us his Spirit as a guarantee. And that brings us back around to Lord's Day 12. Because while question and answer 31 focused on Jesus being God's anointed prophet, priest, and king, question 32 turns the attention to us. We are asked, but why are you called a Christian? And we are taught to respond, because by faith I am a member of Christ, and so I share in his anointing. Christ and Christians. Jesus 
is the anointed prophet, priest, and king. And through the Holy Spirit, we share in his anointing. I am anointed to confess his name, to present myself to him as a living sacrifice of thanks, to strive with a free conscience against sin and the devil in this life, and afterward to reign with Christ over all creation for all eternity. That is, I am anointed to be a prophet, priest, and king, following in the footsteps of the chief prophet, only high priest, and eternal king, Jesus the Christ. I, too, am anointed, and this I am anointed language in the catechism is to be taught to all. So clearly, this threefold office applies to all who follow Jesus. As prophets, then, we are called to confess his name. Now, we might think of this in terms of evangelism, and we'd be right, but maybe not so much in the older understanding of that word, that understanding that said we had to learn a method and go out knocking on doors. Not that there was anything wrong with that, at least depending on how it was done. But in these unstable times when so many people are scared and confused by thoughts of what the future might hold, confessing the name of Christ is probably something far simpler. I was studying with Pastor Matt from Covenant Church the other day, and when he called, he asked if we could just dive straight into the text or if we needed to talk for a little while about COVID or Trump or Amy Coney Barrett or any of the things that are going on in the world around us these days. I said that we didn't need to talk about that. We could go straight to the scriptures. And then he said something that stuck with me. Something about these crazy times in which we live and all that's happening in the world. But he went on to say, thank God that Jesus Christ is Lord. And I believe that is what it means to confess the name of Jesus. To confess to the world in spite of all the circumstances, in spite of all that seems to be going wrong in the world around us, we confess to the world that Jesus Christ is Lord. It means that we can be perplexed by what's going on, but still live with confidence and hope. Because as it says in one of the songs that we've been using lately, above the earth and heavens, angels over kings, and all their plans, when every rival throne has fallen, you will stand. All hail the glorious Christ. Or in the language of the contemporary testimony, as followers of Jesus Christ living in this world, which some seek to control, but which others view with despair, we declare with joy and trust our world belongs to God. Or maybe we could steal a line from the writer to the Hebrews. He himself, God, has said, I will never leave you or forsake you. So we may boldly say, the Lord is my helper. I will not fear. What can COVID-19 do to me? Okay, I just, I threw in that COVID bit myself. But if neither death, nor life, nor angels, 
nor rulers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor powers, nor height, nor depth, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus our Lord. Then truly, I will not fear. We need not fear. Or what can COVID-19 or even COVID-20 do to us? And as prophets, we are anointed to proclaim the lordship of Jesus Christ over all creation and to share with the world the reason for the hope that we have. As priests, we are called to present ourselves to him as living sacrifices of thanksgiving. We are called to worship him, as we saw last summer, ascribing unto him the glory due his name. Only Jesus, the high priest, can make atonement for the sin of his people. But sharing in his anointing as priests of the living God, we worship and we lead others to worship in gratitude for the life that he has purchased by his blood. And as kings, the catechism tells us that we are to strive with a free conscience against sin and the devil in this life and afterward to reign with Christ for all eternity. But again, as much as I do love the Heidelberg Catechism, I'm a little disappointed with this answer. Not that it's not true. It absolutely is true. But we are called to do so much more than merely struggle in this life in order to achieve victory in the next. In fact, the Apostle Paul in the book of Ephesians wrote, God being rich in mercy because of the great love with which he loved us, even when we were dead in our trespasses, made us alive together with Christ. By grace you have been saved and raised us up with him and seated us with him in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus, so that in the coming ages he might show the immeasurable riches of his grace and his kindness toward us in Christ Jesus. Like I said, it's true that we will reign with Christ for eternity, but we know that to be true because it's already true, because it's true that in Christ we are already seated in heavenly places. There is a not yet to this idea that we are anointed to be kings, but there is also a now, and we cannot ignore either. And we will see this worked out throughout the book of Revelation, particularly in the letters to the churches where we, Lord willing, are going to go next Sunday. In each case, in each one of those letters, Jesus Christ, the Lord of the church will address his people under the particular imagery of the description of him that's given in chapter 1, and he will speak to them as prophet, priest, and king, calling the church to work out these same vocations and to walk in the anointing of the Spirit, not only in terms of religion and the religious affections, not only in terms of spiritual things, but also in so-called real world and real life terms. And believe me, it's about to get real. In just a couple of weeks on All Saints Day, we will come, Lord willing, to the letter to Smyrna, where Jesus said to the church the words of the first and the last, 
who died and came to life. I know your tribulation and your poverty, but you are rich. And the slander of those who say that they are Jews and are not, but are a synagogue of Satan. Do not fear what you are about to suffer. Behold, the devil is about to throw some of you into prison that you may be tested, and for ten days you will have tribulation. Be faithful unto death, and I will give you the crown of life. So much for the health, wealth, and prosperity gospel. It doesn't get more real than be faithful unto death. But we have an anointing. We have a seal. We have a guarantee. And we have a calling. In Christ Jesus, we are prophets, priests, and even kings. And even so, as we prepare to move on to the letters to the churches next Sunday, I would invite you to spend some time in prayer. Maybe read over those letters. And spend some time in prayer asking God to reveal to you the reality of Jesus Christ as your chief prophet and teacher, high priest and eternal king. And then in that light to show you how you can live out your calling to be a prophet, priest and king now and always. As the Apostle Paul said, working out your own salvation with fear and trembling, for it is God who works in you both to will and to work for his good pleasure. To him alone be glory and dominion forever and ever. Amen. May we pray. Father, we ask that you would give us ears to hear what the Spirit is saying to the churches, that having looked into your word, this morning, we would not be like those who look into a mirror and immediately go away forgetting what we have seen. That we would not be forgetful hearers, but rather faithful doers. That we would not deceive ourselves, but rather that we would go out and living in faithful obedience to your commands, bring honor and praise to you, our God and Father, in the name of Jesus Christ, our Savior, as we live and walk in the anointing and power of your Holy Spirit. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. We are sent on our way this morning with words of exhortation from God's Word. Continue steadfastly in prayer, being watchful in it with thanksgiving. Walk in wisdom toward outsiders, making the best use of the time. Let your speech always be gracious seasoned with salt, so that you may know how you ought to answer each person. Therefore, encourage one another and build one another up just as you are doing. Be at peace among yourselves and the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you and all God's people said, Amen.